Good Monday to you. Bill Michael Show. We are on the air. We are here today. We're not happy about it. Ben Kenny's happy about it. He's ecstatic. Me, we've got a lot of talking to do about this Packers team. Um, and what went down yesterday and kind of uh, a lot of emotions poured out yesterday. So I want to I want to go back and I want to say this is how we got here and give perspective, at least the best I can, because I think there's a lot of people that are really mad that want to see things blown up in certain ways. And I think you got to put into perspective what what all of this is. So we'll uh, we'll talk about that coming up. Going to have uh, Matt Mitchell, the Action Network, and talk some betting coming up this week. Uh, also, we'll get into uh, the game yesterday. Really good breakdown. Rob Reichel at Forbes dot com had it yesterday. So he had the good, the bad, and the ugly coming out of the Packers loss to Washington. And in the meantime, we got Mike Clemens in the last hour of the program today. He's going to wrap things up for us. Uh, Matt Lafleur does not speak until later today. They pushed that back. So he will. we will not hear from him on the program this afternoon. He doesn't speak until 3 o'clock Central Time. So that's well after we get off the air. So we will carry a lot of that tomorrow and talk about it. Bite me! Uh, the <laughs> the joy coming out of Mud, Mudville right now is of the exuberance of one Ben Kenny. So, uh, Ben, you and I get off the air yesterday, and it's looking rather bleak. They're down 3-2. to two. And then Bryce Harper comes up with a two-run bomb, and your uh, Philadelphia Phillies find themselves in the World Series. In the eighth inning, Bryce goes opposite field, and suddenly you are in tears in the studio. Oh, unbelievable. It was actually while Clemens called in, and we were on the phone. He was explaining to me his cuts and what needed to be done in production. Bryce Harper comes up to bat. He goes deep. I start screaming at the top of my lungs. I think Mike (laughs) thought I was dying. Um uh, and then I stayed here. The game ended 20 minutes later. I was alone in the studio. Uh, some tears started to flow. I, I don't know. I don't want to take this moment because it's a ridiculously uh, hostile day when it comes to the Packers and what has gone on. Uh-huh. But well, I, we got to give you credit in the in the grand. You know, your scheme, guys are now in a World Series. In the grand scheme of my life, I, I can't say I've had many better moments. It was uh, it was fun. It was a fun day yesterday in that sense. In the uh, ugliness. That is the Green Bay Packers losing to the Washington Commanders 23-21 yesterday. Um, I started going through tweets, and I was answering some people yesterday, and I really, I, I, I try to at times just sit down and say, okay, uh, I'm just going to chat through this. And it was, um, it, it, it was a day of emotion where people want to blame everybody. And everybody is to blame. There's not one particular thing you can look at and say, this is what it is. Okay? I want to I, I wanna take you chronologically through this. Because I think there has to be a level of understanding. Okay? Go back to last year. Last year. Remember, when Devontae Adams... Did not talk a lot when it came to, you know, the status of his contract and such. But he made, uh, you know, some um, comments when asked about it. He didn't go out of his way to preach about it. But he made some comments when asked about it to say, um, you know, hey, you know, Devontae, how is the contract discussions? How are they coming? 
And we should have read more into it at the time, but there weren't any. There weren't any. And we kind of went, no, you know what? That's okay. They'll take care of him at the end of the season. And there really wasn't a lot of discussion. And probably what should have happened. Now, I don't know what did and didn't go on behind closed doors. Okay? We don't have privy to everything. Right? But Brian Gutekinst spent an entire offseason and season last year concentrating on keeping Aaron Rodgers happy and making change and a different mode of operation for the Green Bay Packers, not treating players like pieces of meat, having a more personal connection, involving some of the veterans and the decision makers a little bit more, making them feel like they had a piece of this organization, okay? So, and it goes a long way. Because if Rodgers, and I thought about this, because if if Rodgers walks away at the end of the season, then everything he stated is crap. Because once once you have a say and you take ownership of it, pass or fail, that's, that's partially on you. You're part of the decision-making process. This is what you wanted, right? So you got to take ownership of it. They came to you with the hiring of Matt LaFleur. They wanted you to talk to Matt LaFleur. Matt was the guy that just last week you were saying works their ass off, puts a great game plan together. A great game. He didn't say, you know, they do, they do work pretty hard on putting a game plan together. He said, no, they put a great game plan together. Right? You know, he, he praised Matt LaFleur. So in the offseason last year, Devontae, who had said, I am not playing for a franchise tag. I won't be here. Not going to do it. He saw what happened to Mike Evans, Godwin, and those guys. He's like, no, I, I'm, I'm not doing it. Mike Evans goes down with an injury. I'm, I'm not going to cost myself money. I'm, I will not play for a franchise tag. He was adamant about it. And the Packers really could not make him a firm offer because they didn't know what the status of the quarterback was going to be, right? And Aaron Rodgers said, I'm not going to take until after the draft or anything like that. I'm going to you know, go up to free agency. Well, he waited until right there at free agency. But by then it was too late. Rodgers wanted to take his time to think about it, and that's fine. He was in communication with other people. He was talking to Bakhtiari. He was officiating Bakhtiari's wedding. Devontae Adams wasn't there. I'm not saying he should have been, but I'm just saying it wasn't like him and Devontae, I think, were talking every day. I think they had discussions. Devontae really wanted to pick Aaron's brain. Like, what are you doing? They're not going to make me an offer until they pay you. I don't have time to wait. Rodgers did. Rodgers knew what was going on. So, Gutekinds was kind of put between a rock and a hard place. If I go all in on Devontae... I'm trying to keep Aaron's guy, and I'm showing that they're not a piece of meat or a commodity, but I can't pay this amount of money for this guy and then have the quarterback come and say, I want to be the highest-paid player in football. Because even though Roger says it's – remember when he said, no, it's not $50 million a year. That's a joke. He kind of ripped the report, and it turned out to be $50 million a year. He turned out to be an absolute positive liar. So Gutekinds was put between a rock and a hard place. 
And in today's day and age, it is a quarterback-driven league. You stick with a quarterback. And that's what he did. I'm not saying he ignored Devontae, but he couldn't give Devontae what he wanted. He couldn't open up those lines of communication because he didn't know what the quarterback was going to be doing. And you don't want to pay all this money to Devontae to have this incredible, you know, outside wide receiver centerpiece and have Jordan Love be the guy. It would have helped Love, absolutely, but Devontae didn't want that. Okay, now he his his guesstimate has been wrong to this point. Doesn't mean it can't get better, but his what his value was to his numbers and his Hall of Fame and gold jacket and all that kind of stuff, what he talked about, it's been a miscalculation to this point. But who knows what next year will bring or the year after for that matter. But that's but 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 I'm trying to tell you this is how we got to this point. The summer of Aaron, the ass kissing of Aaron, the relationship with Aaron, the alienation to a certain extent via contract of others, the uncertainty, and then finally the decision to come back. And by then, Devontae was like, you know what? Screw you. I'm done. I'm out. Get me out of here. Get me out of here. I, I can't deal with this. I want what I want. And I don't blame him. He's earned it. Right? He got a big time. He, him, his family, they're, they're set rest of their life. Done. He got exactly what he wanted. Now it's a focus for him on his numbers and on his gold jacket. That's what he that's what he wants. Okay. Now for this team, they were left holding the bag. You lost Avante. So we thought, you know what? A lot of quick outs. Move the ball, dink and dunk, West Coast style of offense. Use the run a lot. Move the ball down the field. Pray everything goes right. Pray Christian Watson. Pray Romeo Dobbs are the real deal. Even Samari Torrey, to a certain extent, get Sammy Watkins. Just fortify enough piecemeal together, enough of a wide receiving core to make it kind of a, a conglomeration of Devontae rather than one guy, right? And then the whole Bakhtiari saga continued. Will he or won't he? Again, he, yesterday he won't. I I personally, I mean, he just started to look like he was being David Bakhtiari again and all of a sudden, gone. Gone now. And now you, you, you know, come on, you're, you're seven games into the season. You're really beginning to question whether or not he's even going to be a valuable piece of this organization moving forward. You've got a, a, a really big paperweight in David Bakhtiari right now. And your offensive line has been a mess. I mean a mess. Then throughout, you lose Nathaniel Hackett. You lose Luke Getze two valued pieces of your offensive brain trust for what you put together. Now, Matt LaFleur has to step back and say, okay, what do we need to do? What do we got to do? Okay, I've got an offensive line that's in flux, and I he has mismanaged this offensive line pretty dramatically going all the way back to last season, the way the last season ended. Either you have a gross overestimation of talent or you have grossly mismanaged the offensive line. It's now what went from being one of the best blocking offensive lines in football, it is now a piecemeal of uh, of a shell of itself, of moving guys around, nobody's playing in the same spot more than a week or two, 
guy, uh, the only guy that's played consistently at any particular position has been the center, Josh Myers. That's it. Everybody else moving all over the place. You're banking on Bakhtiari coming back. Elton Jenkins has been inside, outside, out of his all-pro position, back out, back in again. You got Yash Nyman flipping, flipping sides. Royce Newman has just stunk. I mean, it's just it, it's it's just been an ass-kicking contest for anybody you compete against. So it starts in the trenches, and then you're calling plays. You're one of the worst perimeter teams in football. You're 31st in football. And passing downfield outside the numbers. Almost worse. The worst one. The time, I, I can't remember what the last time they were that. 31st in football. Offensive line's a mess. Play calling. I'm watching today on both Get Up and I'm watching on Good Morning Football. Both. Um, analysts, former players, whatever. They're all saying it's predictable. You know what's coming. These little out bubble screens. These little out wide receiver screens. He's quick hitters. Everybody knows they're coming. There's no creativity in the play calling. You're on fourth and two, third and two, and you're in shotgun. You don't even attempt to run the football. Matt LaFleur is so gutless and afraid to stick with the run. I mean, former coaches are calling him out. Players are calling him out. If it's Even Aaron Rodgers, it looks over to the sideline and says, what the F are we doing? Guys can't catch. You're relying on a guy that continually drops the football in Romeo Dobbs as opposed to handing it off to the to the Quadzilla, the beast runner, and you're doing it instead of under center and disguising things. You're not even disguising things anymore. You know why? You don't trust your offensive line. You know why? Because you don't ask them to block for more than a, a second or two. So either they don't have the capability or you have conditioned them to say, hold a block for a second and then let it go which means your quarterback gets hit, which means you put him in shotgun. So he gets an extra second of time to be able to observe the field, to be able to say, hey, we're in shotgun. We have no capability to kind of ma- really make the pocket move or, or, or do things run-wise or anything d- disguised out of this. We just are who we are, and we'll beat you. No, you're not. You're not beating any- The worst teams in the league now have figured, it out, figured you out, and they're beating you. So you go from... A, a talented wide receiver who didn't get any love, who got pissed off and left, to a quarterback who couldn't make up his mind, who you had to ask kiss over and over again to get him to come back to the organization, to the loss of two pieces of your brain trust within your offensive capability as game planning goes, to really kind of say, hey, this is what we need to do to utilize the best pieces we have, to try to fit in new pieces, to try to fit in an old broken down piece, And in the whole scheme of things, you try to put a defense together where you've got a coordinator who believes in playing soft and not aggressive, a special teams unit that was a laughing stock a year ago, and now you're trying to wrap your arms around and go, no, we're fine. We're fine. I got this. No, you don't. No, you don't. It is a mess. It's a mess, and it's eroded gradually. And so if you want to point the finger at, at Gudekinst and say, Gudekinst didn't do this or that or bring in these particular players, you can point the finger at Brian Gudekinst. I would agree with that. I wouldn't disagree. But for different reasons sometimes than what you would point the and just say, you know, screw him, he didn't do this and he didn't do that. There's reasons why you can and can't. But I would agree with you. 
You can't go out and sign a bunch of people if you don't know what the quarterback is going to cost you. You can't go out and re-sign a guy like Devontae Adams if you don't know what the quarterback is going to cost you. If it wasn't going to be the highest-paid player in the NFL, the $50 million man per year, which he said and denied it wasn't, but it ended up being, if you didn't have to wait for that, or if you knew it was going to be less, you could have went out and spent more money in this particular area and said, hey, look, if you take this, we can sign this. If you only take this, we can sign this or these two. Or we can sign Devontae and another guy. Or if you're going to take all of this, we got to let Devontae go. we got to do this. we got to do that. We can't go out and trade for people. we only got $7.5 million left under the cap. This is where we're at. We're kicking a can down the road. We're restructuring the contract, contract of a guy who may never play again in David Bakhtiari. We're extending that out. But we're doing it because we've got to fit certain players in under the cap. So there is a dance to this. And in the meantime, you got Matt LaFleur. And Matt LaFleur is a tremendous mind. Okay? I don't know how great it is. I don't know how bad it is. But he's a tremendous football mind. But this whole, you know, being asked at the podium, what are you going to do? And he's got, I don't know. You, wait, you're the head coach. You can't say you don't know. What you have to do is overcome and adapt to what it is you have. You're still running an offense with, with either guys that are inept, which have not been schooled enough, taught enough, have not learned enough under you to be able to execute the offense, guys that continually don't have the concentration to catch the damn football, and yet you keep throwing to him and doing the same damn thing over and over again. That is stupidity. Your defensive coordinator takes his foot off the gas at the most inopportune times. At least he has adapted and gotten better through necessity because he was being publicly humiliated to the point that he was almost being dared to finally play a little more aggressively. And you did get man-to-man coverage. You got aggressive yesterday, and unfortunately, Jair Alexander got burned. McLaurin got over the top on him, and it was a perfect pass, and so be it. But my point being is there's so many things you can point at with this team right now, and you were relying on youth. You were relying on unexperienced, inexperienced guys. And I said it in the offseason, and I'll say it again. It takes two to three years to learn the NFL. Rashawn Gary was not Rashawn Gary his first year. Devontae Adams was nowhere near Devontae Adams his first year, and yet you're asking young guys to be this. It was never going to happen. It was never going to be the same. So what we had this expectation that was higher, that was more than what it is. So chronologically, you should have been also including Devontae Adams in all of this, hindsight being what it is. You should have said, QB, hey, you got to come up, man. I, I appreciate that you want to go travel the world, meet the Dalai Lama and clean out your colon and all the feel 100 hands on you and all that other kind of stuff. I get it. You're a great quarterback. You're a very brilliant cerebral, cerebral guy. But we, there are certain things we have to do as an organization. You said we need to p- treat people more like people. Well, we're trying to, but we can't because we're waiting on you. Matt LaFleur is kind of hung up in the middle of this. And then once he's given the team and said, here you go, he didn't adapt. So you can point a finger at Rodgers, you can point a finger at Devontae, you can point a finger at Gudikins, you can point a finger at LaFleur, you can point it at Passaccia, you can point it at Barry, you can point it at Hackett, you can point it at Getz. There's fingers enough to go around. All of them are middle. But that's how we got here today. And I don't see anything that's hopeful right now unless the head coach changes his methodology. 877-867-1670, 877-867-1670. Stay tuned. Got a lot more of the Bill Michael Show. It's coming up right after this. 
This is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Joining us on the Bill Michael Sports Talk Network. Welcome back. And uh, good to have you on board today. It's a day that, I guess, as a Packers fan, you kind of lick your wounds. Uh, we talked about it in the first hour. If you missed it, uh, go back and take a listen to it, whether it's on YouTube, Facebook Live, whatever it happens to be, even on our Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. I, I went through about a 15 to 20-minute dissertation as to how we got here. So when you say you got to fire Gutekinds, you got to fire Lafleur, you got to fire Mark Murphy, you got to fire all these different people. Um, there's enough blame for a lot of things to go around. It's not one specific thing, and that's kind of where we started today, because you need to understand how things got from point A to point B, and the myriad of reasons as to where what happened and why we're at uh, at this point today. Uh, so if you want to chime in, 877-867-1670, you can follow me on Twitter. And uh, for many of the, you know, thoughts that pop into my head and or discussions during the games, uh, all you got to do is follow me uh, at Bill underscore Michaels, at Bill underscore Michaels. You can also track us down over, uh, well, Ben Kenny producing the show, too. You can follow Ben at Ben Z Kenny, at Ben Z Kenny on Twitter and Follow his joyous uh, his joyous route to the World Series with the Philadelphia Phillies. You got our Facebook bro- uh, broadcast, uh, facebook.com slash The Bill Michaels Show. YouTube, follow us over there. Simply uh, Bill Michaels Show on YouTube, on Twitch TV, if you download the app and watch us there. And you can email the program the old-fashioned way, V-T-H-E, the Bill Michaels at gmail.com, the Bill Michaels at gmail.com. That's the website, thebillmichaels.com. And uh, you can also, like I said, follow us on Spotify podcasts, uh, Apple podcasts, also over there on the uh, on the Google podcast as well. Uh, so Packers lose yesterday in just ugly fashion. Uh, Rogers says yesterday, upcoming the Buffalo Bills, this may be the best thing for us. I could not agree more because this is it. You, you get drilled in this game. There's not going to be many moral victories coming out of this game. Okay? I mean, if you, say, lose this thing 21-20 in a nail-biter with just a couple of mistakes, okay, maybe there's a moral victory there. Maybe there's a glimmer of hope if you start reeling off a few wins to put yourself in position to be a wild card at the end of the season. But... If you get your ass handed to you, it's over. Nail, coffin, dead, gone. This is it. This is about as much of a must-win almost game as I can remember a long time or a must-show-up. This was Aaron Rodgers yesterday after the game talking about the uh, next on the docket being the Buffalo Bills. Damn right it does. I'm not worried about this squad. In fact, this might be the best thing for us. Uh, this week, you know, nobody's going to give us a chance. Going to Buffalo on Sunday night football, the chance to get exposed, shoot, might be the best thing for us. Uh, I couldn't agree more. 
Because you know if you don't bring your A game, I know it's cliche, you're going to get it handed to you. And it's going to be ugly. So start there. Um, If you don't play well, you're going to be embarrassed on national TV. Uh, If you win, the narrative will be outside of Green Bay, the narrative will be they let down. They thought you were a pushover. They watched you get beat by the commanders. Uh, Coming out of a bye, they just took it easy, and Buffalo gave it to you. Here in Wisconsin, it will be that's finally the team we've been waiting for all season to show up, and maybe that's the springboard forward into what the rest of the season could look like if you work hard. Because I don't want to say that that's the team because then people start to read into that and think, well, okay, this is who we are, and then they'll go out and get their ass handed to you the next week by a lesser team, and you're right back in the same you know, in the same boat. But I, I agree. I think this is this is the best thing for them. And this is a definitive moment in this season. Yesterday was the the salvo over the bow to say, look, you, you lost to the Giants. Giants, they're figuring out ways to win. You lost to the Jets. They manhandled you. You know, the commanders don't do a lot well. You lost to the backup and the backup. And again, Bailey Zappi made it a game. You know, Daniel Jones, you look at just all these quarterbacks they have faced that are not top-notch, top-level quarterbacks, and you're getting your ass handed to you. You know, and defensively speaking, the defense isn't playing horribly. They're just not getting any help. 877-867-167. Let's get to the phone calls. Let's go to Steve listening to us in Green Bay on the mighty WDUZ. Steve, how you doing today, man? What's up? Good, Bill. Um, just a couple points. You know, a lot of people say that we should trade for a wide receiver now. Even if we got him today, he's not going to help us because he won't learn the offense. The guys that we have on the team now have been here all spring and summer, and they still don't get it. Mm-hmm. It, it takes maybe two years to get this offense. And then, um, uh, not, the well, not necessarily, because last year OBJ came in at the end of the season out in L.A., and he would have been the uh, Super Bowl MVP had they had he stayed healthy. Uh, but he ended up having a hell of a year with Matthew Stafford. That's not our offense, though. Right. And one other point, some people are saying we should get rid of Rodgers. Well, that's impossible, because if we cut him or trade him, that would be a forty million dead hit on our cap, forty million. Mm-hmm. So, oh yeah, when Rogers, if Rogers say he get say he retires after this year, this this team is done in next year already because they they won't recover from that cap hit. It'll be two years before there's any relevancy for the Green Bay Packers. I completely agree with you. I mean, he's got to be yeah, here at least so, two years. Yeah, so we we can't get rid of him. You know. Mm-hmm. And, and you're not going to sit point, No. Because that would be bad in the clubhouse. Mm-hmm. And the last point is, maybe Rogers sued Adams all the time because he could trust him not mm-hmm. to drop the right. ball and run the right routes. That's all I got to say, Bill. All right, buddy. Appreciate it, man. Thanks so much. I, I don't think I could disagree with any of that, to be honest with you. 
I wouldn't disagree with it. I uh, I look at Devontae Adams, and when they said 70 to 85% of the offense ran through Devontae, I believe it now. Um, my chin hit the table when I heard that, but I believe it. They don't have anything. You got an offensive line that can't hold a block for more than a second or is not being asked to hold a block for much more than a second or two. Defenses are now seeing what you're doing. They see those those jumble packages of wide receivers, and they said, okay, they're, somebody's getting it. They're running a screen out on the outside, quick outs to the, to the running backs and such. You don't really have a downfield threat. Your only over-the-middle threat really is Robert Tunyon. You don't have much. You don't have much right now. 877-867-1670, 877-867-1670. Also, uh, just in case you missed it yesterday, I always encourage you, whether it go back and listen to it or watch it over on YouTube, uh, the Green and Gold Postgame Show yesterday, it was, uh, it was feisty. It was, uh, I, I can't, I, yesterday it was really well watched. Holy mackerel. Uh, if the radio side was as good as the stream side, for those watching on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Twitch, and all that stuff, holy moly, it was in the thousands yesterday. It was a huge day yesterday for the uh, for the postgame show, big time. 12,330 people watching yesterday. Man, it was packed. Uh, let's get back at it. Josh listening to us in lacrosse. Josh, what's going on, man? How you doing today? Good. How about you, therapist, Bill? Uh, <laughs> I'm doing okay. Good. Uh, one thing I definitely think if the front office is serious, they do need to go out. They need to pick up a couple of stud receivers because, again, it's going to allow the other defenders that we play against to keep them honest. It should allow Jones and Dylan to play a little more effectively uh, because right now they're just stacking the box. And even if we bring them in today there's still some basic easy plays that we can give the receiver to make them downfield threats gives rogers some uh quick outs. so that's my thoughts on that what about you uh i think that uh, if you got guys catching a football and actually blocking the way they're supposed to yesterday could have possibly been a different outcome uh, i think to me and i agree with you of, of all the things you stated but to me, if the first thing I'm going to do today, I'm putting the football off to the side. And I'm Matt LaFleur, and I'm putting guys together in a film room or what have you. And I'm saying, look, from here on out, it's attention to detail and fundamentals. Because the simple things are killing you. Dropping a football is killing you. Missing a block and, and what could have been either a touchdown run and or a big game for a first down turns out to be a two-yard loss. I think the offensive line needs stability. David, can you play? Yes or no? Why don't you just put him on the IR, get rid of him for the remainder of the season, put the same guys in the same place, solidify your offensive line. Stenovich, you go over and do what you did last year. I'll worry about the game plan right now. We'll talk about it towards the end of the week. You know, Aaron has more of a say in things as to how that he feels they need to run things and, and what they're looking at. And go back to the attention to detail. And Joe Barry... Look, if you give up big plays, you give up big plays. But we got if we're going to go down, let's go down swinging and whooping somebody's ass. That that's the mentality I think you have to take inside twelve sixty five right now. Awesome, love it. Thanks, Bill. Talk to you next week. All right, buddy. Talk to you. There you go. That's kind of what we're here for—is that therapy? You know, 
Therapy happens. Uh, let's get back at it. Our buddy Gerard listening to us in Delaware. Gerard, how you doing today, man? What's going on? Well, all, all right, Bill. I guess maybe you could rename it In Treatment. Maybe that. Maybe that would be a good name, <laughs> yeah. huh? Yeah, I should just it, call, just call this on Mondays. The doctor is in. Exactly. You know, but uh, look, LaFleur says he doesn't know. I saw this dysfunction with Dan Devine, Bart Starr, when he was coaching. It was totally dysfunction. Okay. And let me ask you a question. You said all these things just a couple of seconds ago. Don't you think they were said after the loss to the Giants? Don't you think they were said after the loss to the Jets? Now they're going to say them again. These players already heard this stuff already. It's not a fa- It's not going to do anything to them. It's not. I Look, look, they, they're going to – come on. You really think they have a shot at Buffalo or even keeping it close? Not, I don't know, but I think inside those I'm walls they have to believe they can do it, right? Well, they all believe till they get in there and they, and they drop interceptions or they – why aren't they even though? They should have been believing already. You see no, I agree saying? with that. Yep. It's, it doesn't – it doesn't – this team – there is something when when Lafleur said he don't know it means he knows, but he's not going to say it. Okay, he knows, and there's something mm-hmm. going on here with this team that that you know either they tuned them out, they don't they don't they they just don't play. I mean, I'm watching mm-hmm. the game, Bill. Come on now, this Washington team has nothing. They have nothing, and they're, nope, and they're even not good. two minutes left in the game. He throws a fling to the sideline, and Alexander, what's he making? And uh, and he couldn't even knock that ball down. He couldn't even get to the ball. Come right. on. I mean, look at that. You talk about demoralizing. In every aspect of the last three games, they've been demoralized by mediocre, so-so overrated teams. You could say the Giants are 6-1. and one. You could say, come on now. Come on now. Yep. You know what I mean? It, it, the, they don't play with that edge. They don't. They don't play with the edge. It looks like it comes and it goes a little on defense, the edge. But totally, they don't play with it. They don't play with it. And whether yep. they should make a trade for a wide receiver or Claypool or not, what is that going to do? That's for next year. If they make the trade now, it's just for Rodgers working with the guys for next year. And who knows? I mean, Rodgers is probably going to come back because it was $59 million. He's not going to throw that away. You'd have to be really no. not to do that. Well, so, but that know, might not be a bad idea, though, if you're starting to work towards next year. If you can get part of your team together and partly working with a guy for next year, that's not a bad way to go. And you're showing a commitment still to trying to get a team to win now. Right. I, there's I, there, there's I no, there's no negative that. to that. No, there's not. Because the way they draft and the way their draft choices are turning out for the most part this year, and how they like you like we went over in the third round. I mean that's just awful. I mean if they could give if they could get Claypool for third and fourth or whatever, you got to make the move. You got to make the move and then mm-hmm. get somebody else. I mean you, come on now. If you're going to say Rogers's window is going to be closed in a year or two more, then you have to go out and make it. Look, remember and we all spoke about when they had Adams. Oh, they need another receiver on the other side. Remember we went through that all the time. Now they have neither. Yep. They have made, look, look. Lazard is not. Lazard's a third or fourth receiver. At Come best. on, let's be honest. At best, let's be yep. honest. You know, give me a break with this. They tried to con us in the off season with Lazard and all this other stuff. We're not stupid, Bill. 
When yep. are going to learn I, that? I agree. I, I completely agree, man. Well, Gerard, I got to cut you loose. We got to run for the next uh, for the next you. break, man. I appreciate it as always, pal. There you go. That's our buddy Gerard listening to us in Delaware. This portion of the program brought to you by our friends at Cunis RV. They got it all going on right now at Cunis. Right now, they've winterized a bunch, but they also have a bunch on consignment, trade-ins, and new inventory still starting to come in. That's our friends at Cunis RV growing, the fastest growing RV dealership all throughout the great state of Wisconsin and well beyond the borders. Go to Cunis, K-U-N-E-S, CunisRV.com. That is Cunis RV. Dot com Again, Cunis, K-U-N-E-S, CunisRV.com. We'll talk with Rob Reich, a really good piece yesterday written in Forbes.com right after the game. Stay tuned. we got more of the Bill Michael Show next. Ready? This is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. The Bill Michael Show Podcast. Listen, rate, subscribe.